Welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Oh, happy Thursday. We have a lot of exciting things to cover tonight. So I'm always excited for our little Thursday night chats. I really look forward to them. And I like to share a little bit about what's been going through my head, what I've been working on. And yeah, we have a lot of exciting things. First off, before we get started, I'm doing a free party that's going to have trivia and tips for your riding from our community. So be sure to RSVP. The link is either above or below this video. Be sure to RSVP so that you can get the link to join us on Zoom. And the party is Sunday, July 31st at 12 noon Pacific time. I have some great trivia questions. We also have some giveaways. We're giving away a um, Visualize Canada a jacket, one of those straightness jackets. We're also giving away a brow band and some Amelia Newcomb hats. So I hope to see you live. I'm also really excited because we're going to be featuring some of you guys. So some of our amazing community members and some of our students are going to be featured at the party. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the other exciting news is I got an email today from USEF, that's the United States Equestrian Federation, that both Harvey and Kensington got invited to Chicago to the national championships this year. And it's kind of a big deal to get invited. They have to be in the top 12 at their division. So Harvey is 10 this year and he qualified for the developing Grand Prix and Kensington is seven this year and he qualified for the FEI seven-year-old class. This is the first year that they're doing the seven-year-old class at the national championships in Chicago. Um, normally they did the seven-year-old classes. You had to go to Europe if you wanted to do the seven-year-old classes. So I'm really excited that they started that up this year in Chicago as well. And I'm super proud of both Harvey and Kensington. I really like my passion is I love to get young horses and then develop them up through the levels. So both Harvey and Kensington, I got them when they were five years old. Harvey is 10 now. So I've had him for five years. I've been training him and he is like such a special talented horse and I have learned so much from him. Kensington is seven this year. So I bought Kensington like literally right before COVID started. And um, he's an amazing horse too. So I was kind of thinking about the journey that I've had with both of them. And one thing that I think is really cool about horses is that they all teach us something a little bit different. So while it's true that like I'm always talking about the training scale and how you have to follow the training scale and that's how you train horses and that's the way the tests are designed like training level first level is they're designed to train your horses. And while that's true within this framework 
you really have to adapt and adjust to fit your horse's personality because every horse that you have is like a personality. It's like a relationship with that horse. And so you have to adjust how you interact with that horse based on their personality. So like Harvey, Harvey is a pretty sensitive horse. And so I have to, you know, like give him a lot of praise and try to be really subtle with my aides. Kensington is a very shy horse. Like Harvey is sensitive, but he's confident. Um, Kensington is a little bit more shy. So anyways, they're both really special horses. I'm excited to go to Chicago. It's always a big, like, I get excited about going, but actually getting there is really, really hard. It's 1,800 miles to get there. So I'm in Southern California. Chicago's 1,800 miles away. So we're working out travel arrangements. We're probably going to put them on a truck, and they'll have a box stall, so they'll be able to move around. Um, but it's a long it's a long journey for them, and I just hope everything goes well, and I hope that we're able to perform our best. So thank you guys all for your support. Um, thank you, me and Amy and Linda and Kareen. Everyone, you guys are all awesome. So I appreciate you guys very much. Okay, the other thing, I have my little notes here. Um, that I wanted to talk about that was super wonderful that happened this week. So on Tuesday night, I did a call with my rider position masterclass students. And so they're wrapping up with the masterclass. They have lifetime access to it. But like the six weeks are over, right? And it was incredible to hear from the students. And they've been working so hard. Like I'm so proud of all of you guys with how hard you work and how seriously you take your riding. And it's really an inspiration to me as well. I think that we can all inspire each other and learn from each other. So anyways, one of the students was saying how, like in the masterclass, we give exercises that you do when you're not riding and as well as riding exercises. And so she was saying how she was doing like the unmounted exercises. She was like, okay, well, this is great, but like, what's the point? And then she got in the saddle and she was like, oh, like I feel those muscles and there's my abs and there's my glute med muscle. And so it was really cool to hear that, that she did the, the unmounted exercises. And then when she got back in the saddle, she could feel a difference. And that's really so cool and so inspiring. One of the other students one of her like big breakthroughs during the course was that instead, like before the course, she said she would first like get after her horse and kind of like when things weren't going well, she would a little bit not punish, but just like correct her horse. And now when things aren't going well, the first thing that she does is she thinks about her position. And I was thinking about that today when I was riding, I was like, okay, I'm not just going to like fix my horse. I'm going to think about fixing myself first, like checking in with my position. Am I sitting straight? Are my heels down? Is my seat following my horse? What are my hands doing? Ask myself those questions first and then try to address my horse. And I think that I definitely am guilty of that is like, you know, like we try to fix our horse or kind of 
I mean, not blame, but, you know, instead of think about our position first. So anyways, it was an amazing call. And I always love like hearing from students because kind of what happens, I think all the time in learning, there was one particular student in the master class that like, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes ignorance is bliss because you don't know. And then when you start to learn new things and you start to realize, like, for example, you think you're straight and then you start taking this course and you realize that you're not straight and you're super crooked and you've been riding around crooked forever. And so you kind of go from like this level and you go down first, you go, you go down before you get better. And there's this period of like frustration and hopelessness and um, discouragement. And when you can get through that and persevere and get to the other side of it and get on the upside of that, then that really is how you make progress. And it was so amazing to see the students in the Rider Position Masterclass go through that, where, you know, they kind of realized that they had some big issues in their position that they needed to fix if they want to ride better, if they want to get up to that next level. And yes, it requires dedication and perseverance and working out and exercising and stretching and fixing your bad habits. But that's also like super rewarding when you start to see the difference. And when other people see the difference, like when your trainer is like, wow, like, what have you been doing? You look so much better in the saddle. So I'm really proud of all of you guys that took the Rider Position Masterclass. It was really a fun course. And I'm so excited to work with you guys and continue with working with all of you guys. So if you haven't yet, RSVP on Sunday for our summer party. At the end of the party, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the monthly workshops that I do. And those are something that I've been doing for a long time. And we're going to like totally revamp them and refresh them and make them even more exciting because I'm like so dedicated to you guys and to your education and to this community. So I'm super excited to talk about that on Sunday. The other thing I wanted to talk about, which is kind of funny, I was watching uh, my brother Joseph, he does YouTube videos also. He was talking about this concept of urgency. Um, let me know in the chat if any of you guys feel this sense of urgency. Sometimes I am like, I don't know what gets into me. I'm like so driven about things. But I think it's important to kind of have urgency in your life because if you don't, then time just like gets away from you and you don't accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And I mean, there's definitely a balance because with riding and with horses, like you can't rush it and you have to give your horse time. And that said, I think that when you wake up every day and when you look at your life and when you have a plan, there has to be this sense of like, I'm not getting any younger. My horse isn't getting any younger. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish with my horses. And just seizing the day, seizing that opportunity is um, really important and something to think about. So I'm, yeah, I definitely have a sense of urgency about my life. 
All righty. Um, what else? Let's see. There were some, there was a question. Corrine says, maybe you can do a bed and breakfast to Chicago. <laughs> there are boarding barns. Um, yes, there are. I think what we're going to do is we're going to hire a professional shipper and they're just going to drive straight through the horses. So that's kind of our plan. Uh, Lori, what breed do you prefer and what breed are your horses? Do you always import them from Europe? Um, my horses are Dutch bred, but I don't really have a preference. I really like Hanoverians as well. And uh, these two are imported, but there's a lot of great American bred horses as well. So I actually have an amazing stallion that one of my clients owns. His name is Diesel. And he has a lot of amazing babies coming this year and next year. So maybe I'll have to get an American bred one for the next time. Okay, I wanted to mention our new Patreon supporters. So this week we have Donna Hodgkins, Jerry Minot, Autumn, Jane Mears, Jennifer Boyle, and E. Albenhauser. So thank you guys all for your support on Patreon. It really helps me out. And Patreon, I post a lot of like behind the scenes stuff. So show videos, clinic videos, and yeah, it's just an awesome place. Check us out on Patreon if you haven't. I have a question from someone, um, Jane McCord on Patreon about canter half pass. So if I have any tips for the canter half pass and yes, so canter half pass is hard. I think what I always like to do before I introduce the canter half pass is do a little bit of haunches in or travers in the canter first. I think that that is really important and it's easier to introduce it first on the long side. And then always make sure that you have your horse bending before you start the half pass. So I actually, today, my husband, Herman, gave me a lesson on Kensington, which was super fun. And we were working on canter half passes. And what he had me do was ride like an eight or a 10 meter circle in the corner to really get the bend around the inside leg, then ride down the rail, like, five, 10 meters with that shoulder in and getting a lot of bend and then start the half pass. And that's really important for your half passes that you really get the bend first, then start your half pass. And if you lose the bend, either ride shoulder in or make a circle and then do the half pass again, because it's like once you've lost the bend um, in your half pass, it's really hard to get it back. So Hopefully that helps you. Okay, I wanted to do a little fun thing with you guys. So on Amelia's Dressage Club, we asked, what is the name of your first horse? So if you're watching live, type in the chat, what is the name of your first horse? I'm going to read a few of your guys' responses. I don't know if you feel this way, but I have such like a warm place in my heart for my first horse. It's like such a special thing. Okay, Linda, Asher, Corrine says Penny. Um, some of you guys just come up as Facebook loser, users. So I have Billy, Oliver, Zeke, Sugar. Oh, that's a good name. Cotton Candy. Oh my gosh, Barb. <laughs> I love that name. Fairwinds Night Watch. 
Gail says Daisy May. That's a great name. Oh, it's going so fast. Starla Count. Melissa says Ranger. Natchez El Tiguron. Wow, that's quite a name. Um, Cat Little Trip. Oh, Piola Mills. Okay, so my horse, my first horse, his name was Achilles, but his show name was terrible. It was Egyptian Surprise. And Achilles was, I think he was Arab, Hanoverian, and Thoroughbred. So apparently, like, the stallion got out and he was a mistake. And so they named him Egyptian Surprise. But um, <laughs> let's see, Nancy says King, a nine hand terror. <laughs> um, Bandit says my horse, his name was the Commander, a Mexican thoroughbred racehorse. Wow. But yeah, our, you know, your first horse, looking back, I think that like you hold such a special place for them in your heart. Achilles taught me a lot. He really was a great horse. He was not the soundest horse, um, but he was such a special horse. And um, I think I got him when I was like maybe 12 or 13 and he did not pass the vet check. So we almost didn't get him. I remember like the vet came and did the vet check and he didn't pass. And my mom and I were both like in tears crying, but we got him anyways. So. Um, I think it's always important to remember where you came from, to remember that first horse that you had and just always, you know, in the ups and downs of our riding career. Like last week, I was talking to you guys about how frustrated and like discouraged I was. It's always important to remember like why you ride in the first place and to remember your first horse and to remember how far you've come. Because sometimes in the day-to-day, -day, you're like, wow, like I'm just not getting any better. And you think back and you're like, yeah, like I've learned a lot. I've gotten a lot better. And at the end of the day that you just love your horse. And um, so, yeah, thanks for sharing your names of your first horse. That was super fun. Okay. I think I have time for a few questions. Let me find them here. Okay, um, this is a good question. So can a horse with confirmation faults still perform dressage? For example, base too narrow or toed out? So that's a really good question. And the answer is yes and no, all at the same time. So certainly, I think part of the beauty of dressage, and one thing that you'll notice is like if you watch even the international horses that there's a lot of different styles of horses and different confirmations and they are able to manage and they might have a bit of a different mechanic like but they're able to manage and do the movement so one thing that's really cool about dressage is it's kind of like i think of it as like pilates so like any of us could benefit from doing yoga or Pilates or exercise. Like we can all get more flexible and stronger and straighter. And so dressage is kind of about that. It's about taking your horse, regardless of their age or their physical limitations or their crookednesses, and trying to make them better. Now, confirmation, we can't necessarily change. So 
if your horse is built downhill, it's going to be harder for them to collect. If your horse is really long in the back, it's going to be harder for them to collect. But if they're longer in the back, it's going to be easier for them to bend. If your horse is super short coupled, it's going to be harder for them to bend in the body. So like with every confirmation thing, there's like a good thing and a bad side. Like if your horse is too long, it's not a good thing. If your horse is too short coupled, it's not a good thing. So definitely there are like confirmations that lend themselves better to dressage. And that's what people are breeding for the warm bloods is, you know, more uphill build and the correct angles on the hind end. But regardless of your horse's confirmation, dressage should benefit your horse. One thing that I am always like picky about with confirmation is stuff that could cause soundness issues. So I always like, if I'm going to look at a horse, I really want to make sure that their legs are straight and that they have good feet because if their legs are really crooked, they don't have good feet and they don't stay sound, then you can't ride them and you can't, you know, do dressage with them. So that was a good question. Uh, Lori, what about a long neck? I don't, I mean, I think a long neck is not a bad thing because a short neck is not great either. I mean, you want like a medium length neck, but if your horse has a long neck, it's okay. I think the one thing that matters is how the neck is set on the horse's shoulder. So if they have a really high set neck and their neck goes like straight up, then you're going to have to work a lot on making them drop their neck and making their neck a little rounder. If you have a horse with a low set neck, like more of a quarter horse or a thoroughbred and their neck kind of goes more down, then you have to bring their, their neck more up. So I should do um, another video on confirmation. I think that would be a good video. I did, I've done some videos on confirmation, but um, it's interesting. It's interesting. And the other thing that I think trumps confirmation is temperament. So sometimes I've had horses that you look at them and they have like perfect confirmation. Like you're just like, wow, like that horse is perfectly put together. But if they don't have the attitude and the willingness to do the work, then it doesn't matter. And vice versa. Like I've seen horses that don't have great confirmation, but they have the heart and the willingness to do it. And then they can overcome their bad confirmation. So it's like, it's a balance. I don't know that there's a right and a wrong for that. Okay, I see a lot of yes, please for confirmation videos. I'll put it on my list. I keep on my phone, I have like a notes section where I just am always writing out video topics. So I don't think I'm ever going to run out of video topics, which is good for you guys. Okay. Um, Beth says, what is your biggest fear? Let me know in the in the comments. You guys answer this. What is your biggest fear? This is like a personal question. I don't know. I think my biggest fear is that sense of urgency, is like watching my life go by and not accomplishing all of the things that I want to accomplish because I have so many things. Like I want to be the best rider that I can be. And I also want to help people become better riders. Like I really want to help all of you guys to get the information and the knowledge that you need to, you know, become a better rider. And also just like to 
it's not just about riding, but it's also just like about life, you know, to become a better person. Okay. Jamie says falling off. Catherine says I'm not good enough. Um, a sense of urgency, uh, groundwork course. Yes, Melissa, we are going, we have so many things coming up this year. So we are going to do the groundwork course probably in October because we have another fun challenge. We have like a secret challenge coming in September. We're going to have like um, money prizes and it's going to be crazy. So we have that. We had to delay the groundwork so we could do the challenge first. Um, horse bolting. Um, okay. Kareen likes my stirrup video on YouTube. That was a good one. Uh, okay. You guys like my videos. <laughs> okay. Melissa, my biggest fear is never advancing past intro level. Laura, not being the rider my horse deserves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We all have fears, but I guess that's what motivates us. Okay. Uh, okay. This is a good question. How should it feel from the rider's perspective when you connect the inside leg to the outside rein? Okay, this is a really good question because we hear about it like all the time. Like I'm always saying over and over again, inside leg to outside rein, inside leg to outside rein. But how does that actually feel? So when your horse goes from inside leg to outside rein, a couple of things happen. Physically, what you'll feel is you'll feel that the inside hip drops a little bit and you'll feel the withers and the neck kind of lift and come up into your outside rein. So it's kind of this diagonal shift of your horse where the hip lowers and they take contact into that outside rein. The other thing that you feel when your horse is connected from inside leg to outside rein one thing you'll feel is mentally your horse gets more focused with you because when your horse is inside leg to outside rein, they can't spook and go against your inside leg or look to the outside of the arena. So it gives this sense of mental focus with your horse. When you get control of their body physically, you also get control of their body, of their mind, right? You get control of the physical part of them, then you get control of their mind. And your horse also feels more maneuverable because when you have that inside leg to outside rein, you're able to turn, you're able to do transitions. So it really is like the holy grail of dressage is getting that inside leg to outside rein connection. So that was a super, really good question. That came from Instagram. If you don't follow us on Instagram, it's at Amelia Newcomb Dressage. I have a lot of reels that have been going like crazy. I think we have one that got a million views, which is just nuts. But I always post like behind the scenes little clips of my horses. So if you want to see more of Harvey and Kensington and Luigi, then check us out on Instagram. Okay, um, another question from Patrice. Suggestions on keeping a horse from falling out of the canter. Okay, this is a good one. So like, let's say you're cantering around and your horse breaks to the trot. Once they break to the trot, it's kind of too late to correct it. So if you're cantering around and your horse breaks to the trot, 
the best thing you can do is that when you're in the trot, start riding. Like, don't just be like, oh, darn, my horse broke out of the canter. I give up. When your horse breaks to the trot, put them to work. Like, put them together. Get them off the inside leg. Connect them to the outsider and make them really round so that it's almost like they have to work harder in the trot than they would if they just kept cantering. That's like a trick about just about training horses is make the wrong thing difficult and the right thing easy. So the right thing is we want him to canter. The wrong thing is trot. We've got to make the trot harder. The other thing is that you have to get a sense of like what it feels like right before your horse breaks to the trot. So if you're cantering along, you have to feel a lot of times what happens is you're going along like canter, canter, canter. And then there's a little hesitation right when your horse hesitates, you've got to ask for canter again. So you have to be ahead of it before it happens. Um, you also, some horses, I notice they'll like drop their pole down or come above the bit right before they break. So figure out what your horse does right before they break. Um, the other thing that you'll notice is that your horse will break at the same place in the arena. Um, one of my students, did this today. Her horse kept breaking at the same place in the arena. And I used my husband's famous quote, which is, if it happens once, shame on the horse. If it happens twice, shame on you. Because you know, like every time you go past the gate or whatever the place is, your horse is going to break to the trot. So before you get there, you got to ask for the canner again and say, hey, keep going. So that's my advice. Be ahead of it. If your horse breaks to the trot, you know, ride that trot and then get back up to the canter again. Okay, um, one more question from Amy. So I started to work on the lengthening movements required in first level. I feel like he's doing it until I see a video and I don't see enough of a difference. Uh, how do you add expression, not speed and the lengthening on an average moving horse? Is it a strength issue? Okay, that's a good question. And it's totally normal. We've all experienced this, right? Where you're like riding or along and you're thinking like, oh, I am riding so forward and my horse's legs are just like flying and it looks amazing. And then you see the video and you're like, am I even moving? Like, <laughs> I don't even feel like I'm going anywhere when you watch the video. So I think that the like video does take away some of the, energy and some of the like gates of your horses like it does but that said you're right like if you see a video and you can't see a difference then the judge probably isn't going to be able to see a difference either like when you're doing a trot lengthening the judge needs to sit there and be able to see a visible difference in the trot so a couple of things is that it's really important to show that difference so i kind of think about like when you're going through the corner, you know, setting it up, maybe even bringing your horse a little bit back, getting them uphill, and then like really shooting them forward so that there's a clear beginning and a clear end to your lengthening. Now, when you're schooling your lengthening um, and you need to build up that strength, right? Because that's the way that you get more lengthening is you have to get the horse more on the hind leg. You have to get more strength. So I recommend doing a lot of transitions like where you 
bring your horse back, send your horse forward, bring your horse back, send your horse forward. It doesn't really help to just go like lengthening the whole diagonal. That's not going to really gymnasticize or strengthen your horse. That's just going to break your horse down basically. Like your horse only has so many extended trots in them. So you want to be careful about how many you do. One of my favorite exercises for the trot lengthening is doing a leg yield into the lengthening. So like go up the quarter line, leg yield to the rail. When you get to the rail, then lengthen because the leg yield works on suppleness and it gets that inside leg outside rein connection like we talked about earlier in this lecture or I don't know, this isn't a lecture, just a Facebook live, but inside leg to outside rein. So you do your leg yield to get that inside leg outside rein connection. Then because the inside hind leg is engaged, you can shoot your horse uphill like a rocket into the trot lengthening. So give that a try, Amy. I hope my suggestions help you. All right, everyone. I think that's it for tonight. Don't forget to come to our party on Sunday. We have trivia. We have tips. You guys have been sending me your tips, so I have a lot of great ones from our audience to share. I'm also going to give a big shout out to some of our amazing community members and students, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun time, and invite your friends. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm going to go to the gym. I've been trying to be super motivated about my workouts lately. So I'm going to go to the gym. Then I'm going to come back and finish up my slides for our party on this weekend. And I hope to see you guys all there. Have a good evening, everyone. That was super fun. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, Get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.